Hello and welcome once again to another edition of Wellbeing. I'm Iris Nichols. Today I'm talking about food allergy with Maria Said. Maria is the National President of the Anaphylaxis Australia Incorporated. This program will be covering exactly what is an allergy and why do they affect some of us and not others. Maria, thanks for giving us your time and your experience. Not a problem. Before we talk about anaphylaxis, will you tell me a little about how you came to be involved in the organisation and to be the National President? Yes, I'm a parent of a child, a 15-year-old boy with peanut. Um, he was diagnosed at age three years. At that time, you know, that many years ago, there was very, yeah, there were very, very few people who had such severe allergies. Um, and I longed to speak with someone who understood the severity of the allergy, who understood why I had to be so careful with the food that he put in his mouth. Um, I then joined an organisation which had only just started on the northern beaches of Sydney. Uh, it was called FACTS, or Food Anaphylactic Children Training and Support Association. So I became a member from there. It's just uh, grown. It's now a national organisation and I've now been president for five years. So you're very much a hands-on sort of person with, obviously, a lot of experience. Yes, well, I am from a a nursing background as well, so I think that knowledge and my experience as a parent has certainly helped me in um, the work that I do with Anaphylaxis Australia. What does the term anaphylaxis actually mean? Anaphylaxis is the most severe form of allergic reaction that someone can have. Um, so, you know, we have all different types of allergic reaction, uh, something mild, a rash on an arm that's itchy, um, which can, or, you know, the other end of the spectrum, of course, is uh, an allergic reaction that threatens someone's life. And we've certainly heard about fatalities from allergic reactions. What actually happens to the individual as the result of eating something to which they're allergic? Well, it's the protein in the food, for example, that they're allergic to. Um, their body recognises the protein as, you know, as a, a dangerous thing. And what happens is that uh, there is a, a cascade of events, including the, um, you know, the blast of a number of, of mast cells. Now we have thousands of mast cells all over our body. And once they explode, then they release histamine and other chemicals that then set, you know, set the, the signs and symptoms. So, you know, you can have then uh, skin symptoms. Mm. So you can get hives and redness and itching and so forth. You can have swelling where there's leakage of um, fluid from, uh, from blood vessels into the tissues. Um, people have breathing difficulty um, and a dropping blood pressure. So, you know, there are a number of signs and symptoms, but it's very much the, the signs and symptoms associated with breathing or, or the heart that uh, cause fatality. Does it only apply to substances that have been ingested or can it result from handling certain plants or even being stung by a bee, for instance? Certainly. Um, we've known about bee sting allergy and people have accepted the severity of bee sting allergy for many, many, many years. So, you know, people who are bee sting allergic have that same sort of reaction. 
um, as do people with wasp sting allergy or ant bite, mm. ant sting allergy. Um, people who are allergic to antibiotics, for example, um, go into a life-threatening allergic reaction as well. So it's it's just that we're hearing more more and more about food. Um, yes, it is on the increase, but we're hearing more and more about it. What percentage of the community is afflicted? We're talking about 3 to 5% of children, but most of those children will outgrow their allergy if they're allergic to milk and egg. Okay, so most children yeah. who are milk and egg allergic will outgrow it, but those who are allergic to peanuts or tree nuts usually hang on to it. And then we have a, uh, a number of people that develop seafood uh, shellfish allergy or fish allergy. And um, the overall adult population, we're, we're looking at 1% to 2% of people having food allergies. There was a comment in the media um, very recently, um, and in fact there were two comments. One of them was that you hear more about anaphylaxis because children are not going out and getting muddy and dirty in their play and building up their general immunity like the kids did in, say, the last generation where they'd sort of pull um, billy carts and things through the mud was the, the example they used. So that was one comment. And the other one was that some pregnant women are eating much less red meat and eating organic and vegetarian diets. Does this... Um, how do you feel about those comments? And, and with the pregnant women, it's sort of not giving the child, the unborn child the chance to build up its immunity before it's born. Right. Look, uh, there are certainly both theories and uh, the hygiene hypothesis is one that um, is at the forefront of a lot of information on allergy and why it's on the increase. And, you know, certainly, I mean, in my day, I when I was a child, I played marbles in the gutter, whereas these days, if, if you saw a child yeah. playing in the gutter you'd probably report the parent to docs. Um, you know, so cleanliness has certainly has something to do with it. The other theory of, um, you know, pregnant and uh, breastfeeding mothers eating, well, less meat, maybe more nuts, for example, um, that also is a theory, as well as the fact that, you know, we... Again, when I was a child, it was meat and three veg till you're about six or seven. But now, you know, most people eat out. We're a very multi multicultural society. And if you take your nine-month-old out to Thai, then you feel very proud of the fact that you've given them Thai and they've eaten Thai, you know? So it's, um, I think that is a factor as well, that we're introducing a wider range of foods to children at a younger age. So you think that this doesn't give them the chance to build up the same immunities that we had, for example? That's right. It's sort of bombarding the immune system with all these different things before it's properly developed. Do we know um, if a person has an allergy to a certain food, is it simply by seeing their reaction if they eat it for the first time? Is there any other warning signs that we could be aware of? Look, I think it's really important that people that uh, people are aware that little babies with eczema are babies at risk of developing food allergy or have you know have food allergy. So it's important that um, that they are 
seen by a dermatologist but also referred to an allergy specialist who, who may be able to do some, um, some testing uh, to see whether the skin reaction is caused by foods. My guest today is Maria Sage. She's the National President of the Anaphylaxis Australia Incorporated. Maria, we mentioned about the children being allergic or people being allergic to certain foods and things. What's the treatment? If someone takes a, a violent reaction, how would you give that first first aid? Well, it's really important that people who have, um, who have had allergic reactions are assessed by a specialist in the field of allergy and then that doctor makes an informed decision on whether they need to carry first aid medication with them and that comes in the form of an EpiPen and the EpiPen is an auto-injector that contains a single dose of adrenaline and it is meant for use by lay people. So once the, the person starts showing signs and symptoms of an allergic reaction, the, um, the, the person that is caring for that child or the bystander need to um, you know, be aware, frisk them if necessary and see if they have an EpiPen and they should also have an action plan so that they have detailed step-by-step process on what to do and when to do it. If you were dining, for example, in a restaurant and you saw someone becoming very distressed, would that could that possibly, physically distressed, I mean, could that possibly be a sign that they were sort of heading for trouble in, in the way of allergies? Certainly. Um, people who, who have allergic reactions, adults, um, often talk about an impending sense of doom. Uh, you know, knowing that this is it, knowing that... Um, you know, that they have eaten something and they're very, very, very unwell. So they certainly become very distressed. Uh, if you notice any swelling or the person collapses or, you know, you really need to um, think on your feet and we need to have everyone in the community knowing what an EpiPen is, knowing what it looks like and knowing how to administer it. Well, we've sort of talked a little bit about the signs, but exactly what besides peanuts and tree nuts, which include what? What sort of nuts does that include? Almonds, cashews, pistachios, walnuts, all other nuts that aren't peanuts are tree nuts. Peanuts are legumes and they belong to a separate botanical family than tree nuts. And we've also mentioned eggs and milk. That's right. Um, Is ordinary fish, you know, not shellfish, is ordinary fish itself included in that list? Certainly. Finned fish um, are one of our top eight allergens that cause uh, 90% of allergic reactions in Australia, as are shellfish Mm. and soy and sesame seed. So is there any cure for all these allergies or is it just simply avoiding the food that causes problems? Yeah, currently there is no cure. There has been a lot of research and they have tried to desensitise people with food allergy but the risk of someone going into a full-blown life-threatening anaphylaxis um, is, is too high. So those, um, that desensitisation type approach has been, yeah, has been abolished for that reason. Uh, currently, it is very much about being very, very careful and always having your medication with you. I can remember seeing um, a lady 
when we were on holiday. He was obviously have, had a very bad reaction to nuts. And she was making absolutely certain that a utensil used for serving, and in this case it was an ice cream, had not been used in serving out one with nuts. Can even such a small contamination be serious? Certainly. Trace amounts can cause a sensitive person to have a life-threatening reaction. Um, you have to be very, very careful, and cross-contamination is where a lot of people get caught out. So if, if you were in a restaurant where they were serving meat and fish, you'd have to be very careful and maybe even know the restaurant very well? Yes, generally you would know the restaurant very well and you would do that by maybe you know calling the restaurant before you even book to talk to them and get a feel of how allergy aware they are. You would then... Um, you know, look at the menu and decide what you wanted to have and then talk about that with the, with the chef, with the, um, the main chef, the head chef, uh, to talk about that and the risks involved in that particular dish being contaminated with whatever the allergen was. So, you know, it's not, there's not a lot of impromptu socialising that can happen when someone has severe food allergy. Uh, there's got to be a lot of planning to help minimise the risk of an allergic reaction. Can someone be allergic to more than one food type? Yes, certainly. We have lots of children in our organisation who, for example, are allergic to peanuts, milk and egg, which would be a nightmare. <laughs> doesn't leave the mother much choice, does it? <laughs> no, it doesn't. If once the correct treatment has been given at the, in a case of a, a severe attack... Uh, does it take long for the patient to recover? The, the medication stops symptoms from progressing and it's, they still need to be transported to hospital as soon as possible. Um, and by that, in most areas, you would certainly call an ambulance to do that transporting. Um, however, in rural areas, that might be a little bit different. It does sometimes take several days for the swelling to go down if the person has had swelling um, but certainly there have been people who have been admitted after having a, uh, an allergic reaction and adrenaline administered and then they're fine to be discharged home after six or eight hours. And is there any special thing they need to do once they get home? Well usually they're put on a course of steroid medication um, and you know, it's, it's really important that they make an appointment to see their allergy specialist to talk about what things might have gone wrong, what things contributed to that last allergic reaction and, um, yeah, to just touch base and, and um, talk about what other strategies they can use to help reduce the risk. Do you think the community needs to be better informed about how serious these reactions can be? Yes, I do. Um, I strongly believe that. I think that, you know, with so many young children having um, severe allergy, we depend on each other to help care for those children. And many people say, well, they've got to live, learn to live with it. And yes, they do have to learn to live with it. And they do need to be responsible for their own health as they grow older. But we can't expect a three-year-old who's in a daycare centre or a seven-year-old that goes to dancing of an afternoon, or, you know, young children to be able to totally care for themselves. I mean, we don't, we don't let children cross a road on their own. 
And really, you know, when we're talking about children with food allergy, whenever they're eating, it's it's like crossing a road. You've got to put mm. things in place mm. to help reduce the risk of something bad happening. So if a child's at school, the teachers would need to know about their particular allergy? Yes, they would mm. certainly need to know and they'd need to know what to do in an emergency situation. They'd need to know, uh, they'd need to have different things in place, you know, that so the child learns to only eat from their own lunchbox. Uh, they need to be aware what foods, if any foods, that child can have from the school canteen. Um, if they have another child bringing a birthday cake, they need to know that they can't just give the child with allergy a birthday a piece of birthday cake just because they don't see peanuts on it. You know, there are lots and lots of things that can happen. Teachers need to be educated and they really need to be aware and the bottom line is here that anaphylaxis is a manageable condition, that many, many children go to school and never have reactions. And, and that's because people are properly educated. Um, once people are educated, then they feel empowered and they you know, feel much more able to care for children with severe allergy. It's, you know, it's very much about the food industry, childcare workers, teachers, aunts and uncles, um, grandparents, anyone in the community, you know, the butcher mm. who hands over a a, um, a frankfurt to make sure that you know it, it he hasn't just prepared the satay and touched that um, touched that frankfurt mm. that he's giving to the child. I mean, you know, cold meats in delis being placed next to satay kebabs. I mean, these are all things that parents with allergy have to look out for, or people with allergy, individuals with allergy. And, you know, if the community tried to help a little bit, um, then it would make things that much easier. You know, we'd like to remove allergens from the face of the earth, but it's never going to happen. So we really need to help people to live with them. You're listening to Wellbeing. I'm Iris Nichols, and I'm talking today with Maria Sade, National President of the Anaphylaxis Australia Incorporated. Maria, there's quite a few myths and misunderstandings commonly held in the community. Can we go through... I've got a list here. Can we go through some of them here? Yes, we can. Okay. The first one is that food allergies are not real. Yes. There are many people in, the, uh, in society who, who think that people say they've got allergies because they want to be cool or they want to be hip or or whatever, but food allergies certainly are real. It involves um, the body's immune system and the immune system, you know, misinterprets a food protein as a harmful invader and it can cause awful reactions uh, and, and symptoms can include hives, swelling, vomiting, diarrhoea and breathing difficulty. The next one is the terms for food and intolerance mean the same thing. Okay, the term food allergy and intolerance mean the same thing. Mm. Um, they do not mean the same thing. Someone who is allergic um, has um, an immune system response to a particular food, whereas someone with a food intolerance um, may have an enzyme deficiency, for example. So, you know, you can have people who are milk allergic who can go into a full-blown life-threatening allergic reaction from a drop of milk, or you can have people who are intolerant to milk. Now, 
it is not nice to have food intolerance, but it does not immediately threaten your life like a food allergy does. The next one I've got on my list is that the myth says food allergies are not life-threatening, but I guess you've just answered that. That's right. We know that um, about 10 people die each year due to food allergic reactions, and if we think back um, to the death of young Raman on mm. school camp back in 2002, um, they are life-threatening and people have lost their lives due to a food Food additives and artificial flavours cause the majority of food allergic reactions. Uh, again, that's incorrect. The, the foods that I have mentioned cause 90% of allergic reactions, and again, they include peanuts, milk, eggs, sesame, soy, tree nuts such as almonds and walnuts, fish and shellfish. And the last one I've got here is allergic reaction to food becomes increasingly worse. Yeah, lots of people think that, that every time they have a reaction, the next one's going to be worse. But the reality of that is that um, allergic reactions are unpredictable. So they may, someone may, have, may eat a cake with a crumb of walnut in it um, one day and they have severe vomiting and swelling but nothing further and then they may eat it on another day and they could go into, um, into anaphylactic shock um, and, you know, certainly have a life-threatening experience. Maria, are there support groups um, around the community for people with these types of conditions? Yes, well, our, our support organisation is a national one and we do have branches in most states people can um, contact us on our 1300 728 000 number and um, we can let them know where their closest group is. Um, we can direct website so that they can um, get information from there and um, we certainly encourage people to become members and support us so that we can support them. Can I have that number again, please? One three hundred seven two eight triple zero. Thank you. And if they ring that number, they can get the address for the website. Yes, or I can give it to you. Yep. www.allergyfacts.org.au. Now you say that this um, organisation is represented over the whole country. That's correct. Yeah. And if people were living outside the outside New South Wales and would like to have more information generally, um, do they simply go to the website? Yes, I'd encourage them to go to our website, see what's there, and if there's something that they want to ask more about, they can either drop us an email or ring our 1300 and someone will get back to them as soon as they can. In some of the smaller communities outside the capital cities, you often find people um, in in these smaller communities who are interested in setting up their own groups. Is there any form of assistance for them to get started? Yes, I generally speak with people at length about how they might start up a group. So initially they need to become members of our organisation and understand a little bit about our ethos and um, our mission, which is to, to increase awareness of anaphylaxis through education, research and support. 
um, and we then talk about how we might um, get information out in the media to alert people to the fact that there is a branch starting up and um, we also would advertise that in our national newsletter so that members that already exist area will be made aware. Maria, do you have many members? Uh, yes, we do. Um, we, uh, and funnily enough, it's, we um, deal more with non-members than we do with members. Our members are pretty well informed through the information we, that we disseminate. Um, we started off as a small group of eight families back in 93 and we're now you know, we're now got thousands of, of members and, yeah, many thousands of people who contact us who are not members but we still support. So um, do you have leaflets and things that are available for people to sort of pick up from libraries and those sorts of things? Uh, we do have flyers and um, people can download our flyer actually off the website or they can... Um, leave a message on the 1300 to collect it. They are in some doctor's surgeries, um, but because we're, uh, we don't have a lot of money, we haven't done, you know, for example, a national mail-out to all libraries or a national mail-out to all general practitioners. But if someone, you know, let us know and wanted a flyer in their, in their doctor's surgery, then we'd certainly send 30 flyers out. Maria, thank you for talking to me today and to bring us so much important information. My guest today has been Maria Sage. She's the National President of the Anaphylaxis Australia Incorporated. Thank you all for listening and until next time, this is Iris Nichols on behalf of all of the team wishing you well. <laughs>